Welcome to the Westside Barbell Podcast. I'm here today with Jeremy Loper and we're going to answer questions. Today's topic, I believe, is uh, strength and conditioning for combat athletes. Yeah, we have a lot of them too, man. And you are the professional, so uh, you'll be answering. Rumored. All right, man. So first question, uh, in-season wrestling training, uh, are there any uh, specifics that you can give uh, when it comes to uh, high school athletes, even uh, yeah. collegiate athletes in training? Um, High school is so demanding um, between school, training, practices, tournaments, travel. Um, Off-season, to start with that, is real easy because they're in one place. We can do a lot of things. in seasons where a lot of kids lose their conditioning or lose their strength. Uh, so what we'll make sure is at least to get them in the gym twice a week. Uh, if we can have a more great, but twice a week is the goal. We'll do one for max effort and one for dynamic effort. Um, now, all this can adjust depending on a competition. If they went to a tournament and they're smoked, we'll leave out the max effort. We'll do two dynamic efforts, one for upper, one for lower. Um, if they feel good, we'll try do at least one max a week, whether it's upper or lower, and then a full dynamic, including upper and lower um, movements. And we try to keep that throughout uh, in season. And there's so many variables. It depends on the caliber of wrestlers they are, um, what they need. The one thing we do avoid is conditioning because they're just sure, getting right. like crushed between tournaments and practices. Um, but we'll, the goal is to maintain and build upon what they have. It's never to go backwards and we're always trying to improve. All right, fair enough. What about ab movement for MMA? This is from Sammy Rowland 15 on Instagram. There's We, we got a bunch of favorites, uh, hanging leg raises, uh, tried and true. We like to get on a 45-degree uh, hyper, um, or sorry, 45-degree 40, extension, back extension machine, and um, where the pads are right at the top of your hamstrings, and you have to keep yourself as straight as possible um, with your head back and hold that position. Um, we'll do a static hold there for about a minute, then we'll throw in some med balls, some rotation, and we'll do the front, the back, and the side. So you'll um, do one minute uh, front, one minute right side, one minute left side, and then reverse it around. Um, that's one of our tried and true methods, and it's a good uh, tester for us that we'll know if, you're, uh, if your psoas is real tight, you'll start shaking real quick. If you oh, don't absolutely, know, yes. You know. Um, two, it's good for partner exercises. You'll have people who will be trying to pommel with you, <laughs> trying to hit you in the stomach. It's just a, a good all-around ab exercise, and it carries over to every combat sport. It really lets with. you know what your place in, in ab strength is, oh, and where you stand in the world for real. Well, and two, you have this conundrum of if, if we're training together and you're on there, I know it's your turn next. So do I go real hard on you? <laughs> um, I remember when Matt was in there, I can't remember who was working with him, but they took it easy. And then Matt's turn was next. And I'm like, oh, you just screwed up. Because like Matt just didn't relent. He just went to the town and they were like, what the heck? I'm like, dude, that's your fault. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Talking about UFC legend Matt yeah. Brown, of course. Uh, all right, so uh, this one from Bri Please on Instagram. If they are following a condensed conjugate program, uh, what day should they do in extra day three? Much love. I have no reference of what their condensed conjugate program is, but 
if they're going to do three days a week, uh, we do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm. Uh, Monday is max effort lower, Wednesday is max effort upper, and Friday is the funnest day of them all. It's that full dynamic effort day of both lower and upper. Uh, to me, out of the week, that's one of the most important days because you're getting stronger. Your conditioning is a byproduct of the training density, and um, like that's where a lot of the, the the fun competitions happen. But that's the way we do it: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, here's the this maybe my favorite question of all time, not just today. Does Dana White know? Dana White, UFC president, know about Westside Barbell? I have no idea. <laughs> that's the, I, I hope so. Um, I do know the Fertitas back in the day were big into lifting heavy weights, and we worked with a gent called Terry. Can't think of his last name, but he used to work for UFC HQ back in the day in Vegas. So uh, personally, I don't know. It'd be great if he did. Dude, and, Lorenzo got jacked for a second. Yeah, so did Dana. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, there, there's been no direct correspondence. Okay, so there you go. That was for uh, George Passino. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. And that question came from Instagram. You guys can hit us up on all of our social media platforms, sending questions each week. All right, the next one uh, is this. What type of strengths uh, do you address? Okay, what types of strengths should I address and at what time during MMA training? It's a very broad question. Um, address what you need to address i guess the simplest way to answer it everyone is different everyone's got different strengths everyone's got different weaknesses and the assessment is how we figure all this out um game planning comes into uh reference too especially for higher level um we'll talk with the head coaches and see what their game plan is for a specific fighter um from an athletic perspective i'll know what they're lacking so uh, sometimes max effort is not the most important. They'll reach a level of strength that, okay, we're going to hold that and focus on maybe muscle endurance. Um, you might need some static or quasi-isometric strength, especially if you're going to go with a wrestler or a grappler, yeah. you're like, oh. But if you're going with a, a powerhouse, um, there's some stuff that we might, not saying that it would help, but doesn't hurt, we might emphasize and stuff with the traps, neck to be able to absorb more punishment. Yeah, the neck for sure. Like Dorian yeah. Price was someone uh, that came through the doors here at Westside yeah. that was so into just strengthening the neck. And, and the belief was, and I, I believe Louis uh, was the one who uh, told me this, you know, it really prevents knockouts. Oh, you know, the, the stronger you're, yeah. and now you hear it everywhere. You know, everybody yeah. kind of passes that along. But, you know, I first heard that from Louis. Um, Dorian, a, a good video to watch is that double knockout, and he came back yes. up from it. So I would. How like, many are those in the world? Yeah. I mean, like he owns one of them, but I mean, like that is maybe the most classic double knock. YouTube that right now, guys. Dorian Price double knockout, and I like to believe his neck training and just being tough as all heck is what brought him through. Um, yeah, the the neck. We have that four way neck machine. Um, there by. Um, that we have that that's done a, like a tremendous job but yeah it all depends on I, I know it's the worst answer to give but i'm not going to say something holds true to everybody but we try to work on what you need we talk with game plans but just try to assess yourself honestly um and just uh, improving them weaknesses all right from subhuman 805 on instagram uh how do i increase my explosiveness um through dynamic effort work is really important. Uh, through exercises that are based on a specific time, so explosive strength is um, the steepest increase in strength in the quickest time. Um, so you're trying to um, 
box jumps is a good way. Jumps in general, plyometrics is a great way to do it. Uh, med ball throws. Uh, the catalyst for all strength development is max effort strength. So if you have a low amount of maximum effort, you're not going to get the most uh, potential out of your explosive strength development. Um, if you're high in that area, then just refining through accessory work. Um, but plyometrics in general, upper and lower, are a great way to um, uh, get that out of you. All right, so we're doing questions uh, based around combat sports mm -hmm. this week. And uh, here's a great one. Why are workouts for MMA fighters so damn long? Say that again? Why are workouts for MMA fighters so damn long? And this uh, one came from the Conjugate Club. Um, they shouldn't be so damn long. Our, our workouts in the gym, we try to get everything done in an hour, 15 minutes tops. A lot of the time, I've noticed that if... Um, uh, shit talking as a high amount that that takes over and that that eats into the time sure so by giving parameters that you have to get it done um that usually helps hurry things along our fridays which is the double dynamic in one day in one session should i say um we get a lot done and in an hour 50 minutes they're done we don't include abs and hypers because that's like breathing here they're just a given part but all the workouts the squat dead uh, deadlifts and benching, all those movements are done. We have three to four, maybe six accessory movements done uh, in an hour, hour 15 minutes tops. So it means your training is not dense enough or you're lacking the structure for it. Now, would you say like the size of the group matters? Of course. Yeah. Like what's um, the perfect size four. in your opinion? Four. Four tops. Th three really is phenomenal, but four because it gives you a little bit of rest. And what we like four is if on a monolift, you have one person running the monolith. Yeah. Uh, one person is squatting, one person is adjusting the boxes, and then another guy is adjusting the height. So that four rotation um, crushes it. And what we'll do is we'll superset deadlifts with squats. So as soon as you squat, you run out of the monolith, you go do your deadlifts, and you come back into rotation. So by the time that person is celebrated to go, you have your deadlifts done and you're back in. But four to me is the best. And if it's anything more than four, we'll try to break them up into groups of three and two or three and three. Um, that's the thing. And people screw that up too. Don't have everyone do the same thing. You can start at opposite ends and uh, cross over that way. All right. This one comes from Instagram. What's your opinion on weighted carries? Um, I'd imagine that's like farmer's walks and yeah. uh, stuff like that. The wheelbarrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hugely important in, in our uh, muscle endurance and accessory work selection. Um, wheelbarrows are huge for... Uh, endurance grip strength everything the, like a heavy wheelbarrow like kicks your ass uh weighted yokes is huge uh we'll walk around we'll, we'll do stuff with that uh we've been really hammering the transformer bar right now because you can change the angles on that it's been really effective for weighted carries um they're smart like they're huge and smart to have in rotation but yeah we rotate them in rotate them out try to keep them for about three weeks and then we've got certain ones that are testers like the wheelbarrow with 315 around 400 meters, that's a tester for us. Um, uh, farmer's walks, we'll either walk in a trap bar or actual farmer's walks for distance. That's a grip strength measure for us. There's stuff there that we have, but uh, rotate them in, try to keep them in for at least three weeks, usually no longer than six to eight weeks. Um, but yeah, they're very important. And like, so more than like a vest, like would you wear chain mail? Ooh, that, that'd be- I mean, I know knights were super strong, <laughs> man. You know, come on. That'd be a, a tad bit restrictive, but weight of vest, we have um, had people put on weighted vests, put chains around 
themselves with Indian clubs and a sled uh, walk around both buildings. There is a jiu-jitsu guy here. I can't think of his name, but Louis had him loaded up with 200 pounds of chain, a 100-pound weight vest, uh, two Indian clubs and a sled. And every lap he would come, he would take off like <laughs> part of the chain. Yeah, That's where he got down to just the sled and the Indian clubs. Uh, I mean, that guy was a, a tank, but yeah. There's, Beast. There's, yeah. All right, so uh, this one comes from the real Jordan Vega. How many lifting days a week and what body parts splits uh, per lifting day? Like how would you split up the body parts uh, in upper or lower in the totals of those? Gotcha. So depending on what level you're at, we'll just assume the guys in the gym. When they're not in fight camp, which fight camp to us is that 10 to 8 week mark, um, they come in three times a week. Okay. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is that we stick to the foundational West Side uh, conjugate method split in that we got a max effort uh, lower on Monday, a max effort upper on Wednesday, and then Friday is the combined dynamic effort. When they're in camp, we will take out one of those days, so it's two days a week, and then the max effort, depending on how close they are to the fight, will stay in there. It'll rotate between upper and lower. Um, if they're getting closer to a fight, we'll just take it out and we'll put in some different exercises. We might make that a dynamic effort upper and then a dynamic effort lower. But that three-day split, we don't specifically focus on body parts. Okay. Our hierarchy is based off what you need. Gotcha. Um, so if you if the most important thing is to put on mass somewhere, we'll figure that out in the workout. But we create a hierarchy of needs based on what we need to improve upon. All right. I love this question. I wish, I wish it was my actual question, but it comes from one of our... Uh, one of our followers on Instagram, how would you train different from boxers to mixed martial artists? Any difference in days or exercises chosen? And I love this question for you because you have so much experience in training both. Yep. It, sometimes it provides a little bit of a headache in that we can do the foundational stuff together, but the demands and the recovery times are different, especially for a pro boxer. And the amount of rounds you do is way different to MMA. Sure. The uh, active time is different. The rest times are similar. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the same. Um, so what we discovered is we would have our boxers one side, MMA guys the other. They could do the main movements. So that's similar in terms of the three-day split. Uh, we all do the max effort together because good old shit talking us going back and forth. Then the accessories is usually based on everyone's individual in nature, what they need. But the MMA guys are somewhat similar. The boxing guys, instead of doing five minutes on a ATP walks back and forth and doing pommeling, boxers do it for three minutes. <laughs> now, the MMA guys used to talk shit, but sometimes those boxers are on there for 15 rounds of three minutes. Like that may so be- So that's where, yes, yeah, so that's so the like difference. That right? may yeah. be the whole accessory day, depending on what we need to do, but it just crosses over. So foundationally, it's the same in terms of the, the selection, the rest times change. And uh, if you're doing kind of any circuits or intervals, like that will change. But the great thing, the way the system is, it's all based off a hierarchy of what you need. So if you're a boxer and you need uh, more GPP, well, we're going to hone that in for boxing more than MMA. But if you need to build up strength or you've got a weak muscle group, it's virtually the same process as an MMA guy. The problem comes in is when you have the two groups come together 
and you have an hour and 15 minutes or an hour to get it all done. So you try to separate them out because it just between the, the chirping back and forth and the some the subtleties of difference of training that it just becomes a, a mess. All right. So this is a, this is a great question. Going back to the uh, carry subject, this comes from uh, the Moses mania. I train at, I train at a, a BGJ, a BJJ team here in New Jersey. And the biggest question for you is what is your favorite carry? I like the safety squat bar walk. Um, I'd imagine that's what you're talking about, the, the carry. That are for, like good old farmer's walks are, uh, what I like about the farmer's walks we do is you start off with high expectations and you're like, got this. And our building is roughly 400 meters. You get to the first corner, like, bro, I picked, this is too light, crushing it. You get around and then halfway through, you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> like you just start questioning everything. <laughs> totally. Um, especially if you're dragging the sled with it. Yeah. To, to me, I like farmers are the wheelbarrow. There's, I don't have one particular one. I love the sled in general. Um, but I think the safety squat bar is the one where we start seeing some really good returns on uh, controlling your breath uh, because you have to engage your upper back too to keep that posture. Um, and after a while, it's just forcing everything down. So I th I'd say that'd be one of my favorites. All right. I'm, I'm a Westside certified trainer and I follow the conjugate system for my Brazilian jiu-jitsu team. What do you think if I were to add sprints to that? And Go what are it. your thoughts on sprints? Yep. Uh, huge. Um, they're important to get into rotation. Um, if we had the time and the ability to do it, we would. We used to uh, go to one of the parks and we do uphill sprints. We would. We wouldn't structure within our strength conditioning workouts. It's a separate workout. Uh, so these guys, will, when they finish here, they'll have it in their arsenal of workouts they're going to do in the week. But I think they're very important. Uh, they're great for replacing oxygen debt. So you have that big sprint up, you rest, you come back down. Um, yeah, I think they're very important and go for it, put them in. All right, Montana Barbell 2020 has this question. What lifts have the greatest correspondence to punching power? Uh, sumo deadlifts, huge uh, bell squat or ATP walking. Um, that one has a huge because it develops the hips, the glutes. It's, I mean, yeah. one, of, one of the greatest things that you can yeah. do for yourself, especially when it comes to combat training. It really is. Um, there's that rear del exercises. Uh, everything is a is a whole chain of events. But uh, messing around, uh, there's a few guys here who deadlift like Burley Hawk. Um, dude, there's something to that deadlift, that sumo deadlift, like that, or a snatch grip deadlift is another one. If you can build them up, like you're you're a bad mofo in generating power. But that ATP, the walks and the variations, that's the one that we can significantly see a carryover. After three weeks, there's definitely a carryover to your punching power. Yeah. Um, but it's only as effective as what you're doing outside of the gym. So you can be a stud in the gym here. But you're not honing your skills. Like you can have all this power, but if you're not using it and getting it out, yeah, it's it's useless. So it's what you're doing from here, and then you do your skill training, and then you carry that over into uh, to punching. So if you're not doing the two of them together, it's, it's worthless. All right. So this question comes from the John Davis. I don't know if it's the lead singer or a corner or not. Uh, speed squats for time or always reps when training uh, combat athletes. That's a good question. Um, 
Rarely do we do it for time. Now, we do have a time limit, but they never... We usually allocate 15, 20 minutes to get speed squats done. But normally, depending on the group size, it's the 5 by 5s or the 12 by 2s Okay. Um, and they're usually well done before that 15 to 20 minute mark. There is another type of squats we do. We do do squats for time, for conditioning. That's what a safety squat bar, and you do it for five minutes straight. Uh, that one is, is a mofo. But usually we just keep it to the system. But it is good to have that time cut off just in case they're just taking too long. All right, this next question is from the Elevation underscore Academy on, this one uh, came on Instagram, I believe. What are key performance indicators for a stand-up fighter and someone who prefers, uh, versus somebody who prefers the ground? A grappler. Key performance indicators between them both. Two very different sports. Um, so KPIs for... Uh, boxing or for a stand-up guy, a lot of it will be their their hips or where their hips and glutes are, um, their obliques, uh, their general abdominals where that's at, uh, their conditioning. Um, so we we do stuff like we have that forty-five degree um, extension. We'll monitor them for a minute how well they do. Uh, we'll test the med ball throw. We'll test their sumo deadlift. We'll test their box jump. Um, so those are some KPIs for a grappler. There's some like strange stuff we do. We do sometimes do a figure of eight in the ATP where you hook the strap in and we'll see how strong your hips are and how long they can take the weight for. Yeah, That's one uh, KPI. Sumo deadlift is another one. Um, it's great too for hand grip. Uh, we'll do some stuff with towels too to see what you can pull with a sled and stuff like that. Um, but again, two very different sports and two different K KPIs we have. But the one universal one is the joint assessment. Ah. So no matter what your sport is, we test uh, your um, shoulder joint, your hip joints, because they're ball and sockets. They're very important. Usually they have impingements. Uh, we'll uh, test what your internal and external capacities are. Um, we'll look at uh, your ligament and tendons to see if they're developed. We'll, we'll focus. That's a universal KPI because that dictates how well you're going to function and everything else. Would a TIE fighter fall somewhere in between or would you have them follow more of a regimen of the MMA fighter? It'd be, it'd be in between. Um, I mean, tie fighting, beautiful art, uh, close to my heart. Uh, but they would, they would be, they tend towards MMA guys more, that one, just because of the way they train. Um, but the same universal KPIs, I guess. All right. So, uh, speaking of which, what are your favorite training techniques for uh, Muay Thai? And this comes from uh, Pyra in the Sky. There's a few. When, when I first got here, uh, Louis and myself kind of went down a, a Muay Thai rabbit hole. Um, at that time, he was huge, and um, oh, I can't think of the the correct terminology. But we had two sticks that we would just be like rattan fighting sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Escrima sticks. That and uh, but in Lou fashion, he had ones that were iron bars with a <laughs> thin layer of foam around it. So when he went to hit my shin, yeah, I can remember going boom, and I'm like, oh my god, like you know, like. Like, I don't want to be a pusher, but I, I felt that. Uh, so we're, we're just like going through all the stuff they did, but we did a lot of stuff with the um, lap pull down. We got basically it was a, a cylinder, but it looked like a ball onto a chain, and we get it in a clinch. Ah, and we yeah. do clinch work. We, so that's how we did our, did our abs. I think you guys did that too when you were in there training. Um, that that was a, a big one. We, obviously, like we look, we love the uh, 
deadlift wall variations, some squats, uh, some upper body uh, movements like we do uh, football or sorry, floor press bench, football bar bench. Uh, those things are good, carry over a lot of rows. But uh, with uh, Muay Thai, we did a lot of stuff with knees on the ATP. Sure. Where, uh, a lot of stuff with bands where we would uh, tie it around our knee and we'd do band extensions into a punch pad. So um, we did a lot, like for, for a good year and a half, two years, because that's when uh, Dorning came in too. Yeah, sure. And, Fresh um, out of Thailand. Yeah, which was ironic. Like the two of us never met each other. We came here and we're a year apart of where we trained out in Thailand. Um, because he ended up going to see a lot of people don't know that about you. Yeah, well, it's a a very like I was a very, very low level at it, but uh, we were a year apart, and then we had another guy, Cody Stevens, who we never met but through Westside, and he was right in the middle, so we all missed each other, but we all went to the same place in Thailand. Oh, that's crazy, but yeah, so that's how we started experimenting. But there's a bunch of different exercises that we we never released to the public, but we did. We, we, at one stage, the, the knees started becoming devastating with some of the stuff we're doing. All right, so this one comes from Coach underscore Chris underscore Guns on Instagram. How much uh, do you add on or take away from the intensity uh, slash volume on the last month or two days leading up to the fight? It's a good question. Um, eight weeks out, a lot of stuff is cut out. So we you, we've refined it down a good bit. Learned a lot from Matt and Travis Clark. Those two guys really helped me hone in uh, with... Uh, the new guys like with AJ, Miles, TJ, uh, 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 Chad when he was here in Megan, we uh, we got all that from them. So two days, it goes from four days to two days or three days to two days, depending on who you are. Um, so that eight weeks, we're really focusing on just uh, keeping your joints healthy, keeping the CNS activated. So we'll do max efforts, but they're modified. They're, I won't say hard, but they're, they're easier max efforts. So it might be a really high pin pull. It might be an ATP uh, squat instead of a regular back squat. Sure. Uh, bench press might be a high pin press, just stuff to stimulate the central nervous system. Um, we'll keep that in for about two or three weeks. Uh, so then on week four, we'll go to dynamic effort. On week three, we have our circuit max kind of phase to where that's the most intense workout they'll do. Uh, it will be mostly dynamic effort based, but it's so uh, dense and there's a lot of uh, ATP walks in there. Um, and we have certain uh, levels you have to reach to know where your conditioning is at. But usually everything changes in fight camp. So those eight weeks out is when we change everything and we it varies on the person. Um, but four weeks out, we really the max effort has stopped and we're focused on just honing in. A big thing I will tell people is if you're waiting to eight weeks out to do your work, you're screwed. All the hard work yeah. is done. Fight camp is literally, for some, it gets in the way of what they're doing because we can do a lot more. But fight camp, really, it's all honed in. It's all about the fight. A lot of it is about weight. A lot of it is about skill, like honing up the skill. Um, so you've done all the hard work so you can uh, acquire more uh, knowledge because you're, you don't get fatigued as much, you're stronger, you can hold different positions. But if you're waiting for those eight weeks or those four weeks to get better, you've already lost. The, those eight weeks should be all dedicated about being uh, uh, ready for that given fight. All right, so all the folk style wrestlers out there, listen up. Uh, this question comes from Luke uh, Deflet, I think is how you say the name. What, in your opinion, are the best exercises for heavyweight folk-style wrestlers? Sleds. Sleds. Look, anything to do with wrestling, 
if you're not doing sleds, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, judo, uh, or jiu-jitsu and judo, uh, sleds in general are phenomenal exercise. But for those sports, you can do upper and lower. So you can make them grueling. You can do them forward, backwards, sidewards. You can go into different angles. To me, like the, it's just so critical to have them in. You can do um, uh, a max endurance instead of a max effort lift. Um, sled drag for upper and lower. It carries over to wrestlers. Uh, I've seen wrestlers do things that just blew my mind on the comprehension of how tough they are. We had this one kid come in here and um, we told him to drag sleds around the building. And little steps, boom, boom. I don't know, he's not going to get 10 yards, but keeps on going. And half an hour later, he's keeps, I'm like, just doesn't stop. And then that's when I realized you have to call it because they just don't quit. Um, but we saw the biggest carryover for um, all grappling and wrestling from sleds. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome questions. You guys keep them coming. All the social media platforms on the Conjugate Club, and they can email in too, right? Sure. Yep. You can email us in at, uh, at training at westside-barbell.com. We have Instagram. We got Westside Barbell. We got Twitter. We got Facebook. Uh, we're very easy to find. Uh, appreciate the time, Loper. Thank you. Yeah. We're out there. Come find us. <laughs>